Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this fantastic day? I hope wherever you are, you are taking some time to be present in the body, to be present with the self, even if it's just for a breath. So take a deep breath here now. Inhale and exhale. Just let it all out. Be in the moment. Feel the body. Feel the breath. Oh, it feels so good. I feel like too many of us spend a lot of time, if not all of us, spend a lot of time in our heads, inside the head where we forget that we have bodies. You know, we spend a lot of time, many of us spend a lot of time sitting at a desk in front of a screen or heads in our phones. Oh my gosh. There is, um, there are these LED signs on the highways over here in Jersey. And I'm sure that in there in other parts of the country too, but, um, you know, they give you messages like alerts for traffic jams up ahead or lane closures or accidents or whatever. And in my neighborhood, if everything's flowing pretty smoothly, there's somebody who writes little messages of safety and things like that. Um, and they're, and they're really clever. Um, you know, one, one is like, wear your seatbelt. It just clicks, you know, (laughs) the other one is be a deer, watch for wildlife. You know, we have a lot of deer here, which is so funny. And it's, she, the person spells it D-E-A-R, you know, but the one that I saw the other day, which was hysterical was get your head out of your apps. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was, that was the best. I'm like, whoever's writing these is freaking awesome. Um, but anyway, so yes, Let's spend some time in the body. So as you're listening to this episode, see if you can be present in how the body's responding to whatever I say. I have no idea what I'm going to say today, but see how the body responds. Does the body like start to feel excited or does it feel like it wants to hunch over and and get all tight and closed off, you know, and notice when the body's responding to whatever I'm saying, what does that mean for you? You know, am I saying something that feels uncomfortable to you? Because you're like, "Mm, yeah, get curious about that. Why is it uncomfortable? You know, and if you feel an expansion, you feel like a higher vibration coming out, then you're like, ooh, what did she say that's making my body feel like this? You know, it could be a truth that resonates with you. Whatever it is, see if you can tune into the body's responses as you're listening to this episode. Okay. All right. So to start us off, I am drawing an oracle card from the language of light. Uh, Oracle deck. Um, I really love this deck and it's just so interesting. I bought this deck, you know, two years ago and I was like, oh, I love the name of it. And when I first opened the box and looked at the cards, I was like, yeah, okay. I looked at the guy, but I played around with it. I was like, yeah, mm, not really. But now, like two years later, now I'm like, oh, I can't get enough of this card. So of this deck. So it just goes to show that 
we are ready for the things that we are ready for. <laughs> you know, I mean, that sounds so like a master of the obvious statement, but it's more like we are ready to receive certain kinds of information. And if we're not, then we're not going to resonate or connect or whatever it is. You know, this episode, for example, you might listen to the episode, but are you really hearing it with your body? Are you really taking it in? It depends on where you're at. You know, is your body and soul ready to receive whatever message comes through or is it not? And if it's not, that's okay. You might just be like, oh yeah, okay, that was nice, whatever, you know? <laughs> um, so just to, to be aware of that and to be open. Okay, so the card that I drew for today is number 45, let your light shine. And this card is gorgeous. Again, I wish I could just share this photo with you and this photo, this artwork from the card with you, all of you. But we have a figure that is seated, uh, cross-legged position uh, with the arms, palms together, arms up overhead, sort of that stereotypical yoga pose where the arms are, are raised up overhead. But there is light, brilliant sun, radiating out from the center of this person and there's beautiful paisley designs in purples and pinks and golds just all around this person it's beautiful and then above there is a brilliant heart that has sun radiating out from its center so which is to say you have your inner light let it shine because it comes from source you are an extension of source. And so, I mean, the sun doesn't apologize for, for shining, right? <laughs> when the sun's bright, is it like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm too bright. Let me turn down my light a little bit so your eyes aren't hurt. No, it's like, I am this bright. You got to have to put your sunglasses on and you can't take it and then go inside. <laughs> you know what I mean? So to, um, I feel like this, I haven't even read the guidebook yet. This is an invitation for you to shine your light. And what does that mean? What does that mean to shine your light? It means like be you as unapologetically as you can. And yes, of course, we need to create a sense of safety in our bodies, in our nervous system to say, hey, ego, it's okay. We can shine our light. It doesn't matter how weird we are, you know, because who we are and who we're being, there's, there's no label to that. Humans created that label of weird. And for me, I'm like, weird is good because it means that I am my own and I am an individual and I like, I'm not like anybody else. And if I was like other people, then mm, I'm not really being me. And who wants to be like other people? You know, I don't. I mean, I know when I was younger, of course, that was what I so desperately wanted because I thought that it meant I belonged that I would be part of the community, that I'd be part of the group. And if I was weird, then I would be cast out. And, you know, when we go back to primitive times, if you're cast out, then you are left to die in the wilderness if you can't survive on your own, right? Humans are a communal species. We need each other in order to thrive. I didn't say survive, in order to thrive. And there's a difference. And so, um, so yeah. I am all about letting my light shine. Let your freak flag fly. That's a popular, well, that's a phrase I hear often, you know, and I don't know how many people embrace that. Not the phrase, the freak flag part. Like, they're like, really? Am I allowed to do that? Yes, you are allowed to do that. Okay, so 
Let your light shine. Here's what the guidebook says. Be authentic. Isn't that what I just said? Be authentic. Today, embrace your uniqueness. Today, like right now, in this moment, as you're listening to this episode, embrace your uniqueness. Like what's the thing that you think people are going to like call you weird about, you know? Do you wear socks to bed? <laughs> you know, I think you're weird if you do that. But, you know, that's your thing. I'm not going to judge. A label just to make it easier to have a conversation about it. But there's no judgment with that label. That's so interesting. Anyway, okay, so say to yourself, I am so pleased and honored to be me. Oh, yes. Say it again. I am so pleased and honored to be me. Embrace the parts of you that may feel a little strange. They feel this way because you resist experiencing the fullness of you. We can all feel a little odd or peculiar at times, longing to be like everyone else and just fit in. You know, it's interesting because there are times when I experience this sudden urge to do something out of the blue. And then I'm like, ooh, do I do it? Like my body's like, let's do a cartwheel in the middle of the mall. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, I, don't, mm, I don't know, <laughs> you know, but the answer is yes, you do it. <laughs> um. But compromise breeds resentment. Yes, it does. Compromise breeds resentment. Locking yourself into the pretense of what others want will strangle your soul and split you in two. Whoo, yes. Yes, there's the you that you show people and then there's the you that's like home or nobody's home and you're like, yeah, I get to be me. I get to dance naked. I get to eat ice cream out of the carton. You know, like those are really like <laughs> small examples, but you get it, right? You've got two versions of you and there shouldn't be two versions of you. Oh, there I go. Should. I need to remove that word from my vocabulary. I don't should on people. Mm -mm. No. My suggestion to you, ideally, is that there is only one version of you at a time. I'm not saying that you don't evolve. I'm saying role-playing, putting on masks does not serve any of us. It splits your soul into two. Okay, accept yourself. Set yourself free from judgment and what you perceive others think about you. Because you know what? They're really not thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that straight up. It's like we perceive that people are paying attention to our every move and thinking about us and like making judgments or whatever. They're not doing that. You know why? Because they're so concerned with themselves and they're so concerned with what other people think about them. And I think it's hysterical that we all we all do this. Um, so let your soul shine outward. And inspire others to connect, embrace, and shine their truth. So when you are shining your light, you're letting your freak flag fly. You are giving others permission to do the same. And I'll tell you, that is some magic because people don't realize subconsciously they are looking for permission. They're looking for permission. And it's, it's, it's not necessarily a healthy thing because we just have forgotten that we have power that our power is within us, but we just continually give it away. We give it away. It's like, I want permission from you to be the crazy weirdo who does cartwheels in the mall, please. No, just do it. Just be the weirdo. Do the cartwheel in the mall. You know, own your power. Take it back. Stop giving it away to people. Shine your light. 
And when you shine your light, then other people will be like, oh, I don't have to get permission. <gasps> wow, that's really cool. Sometimes people don't know and they need to see the example. They need to see what's possible, which is why it's important for you to let your light shine through. Okay, here we go. When we are aligned with our soul, we feel loved and satisfied. Yes, we do. Loved and satisfied by ourselves from within. The external stuff is just icing on the cake. That's just the bonus. Like if you feel loved and satisfied because of you, you're batting a thousand, you know, because when you feel loved and satisfied by the people around you secondarily, then that's just like extra. That's extra bonus. Bonus points. Yes. Um, we no longer need others to lean on. Yep. To fill our perceived voids or to be different to who they are. This is, let me read that again. We no longer need others to lean on to fill our perceived voids or to be different to who they are. Right? So we don't have to be different. And I want to, I want to pause here for a second and talk about this, um, this one part. It says we no longer need others to lean on. Right? So we have everything within us that we need in order to thrive, right? We've got love in there. We've got worthiness already built in just because we are born. We've got it all. We've got power. And that, I need to make a distinction. That is what it's all about. But it's not the same as self-reliance, okay? I want to I wanna make a little distinction about this because when we have self-love, self-confidence, self-esteem, you know, it's all good. We've got our own backs and that feels so good. That feels so amazing. But what's different is that with self-reliance, self-reliance can be detrimental because there's a mindset with self-reliance that comes with it's the thought is I don't need anybody. I got this. I don't need help. I'm self-reliant because I can do it on my own. And you can, but more often than not, a lot of us, when we get to a point where we need help, we're like, no, 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 I don't need help. I got this. I got this. I got the power within me. Then it becomes toxic because we need to recognize that sometimes we need community. Sometimes we need someone around us just to boost us up because it's part of being human. We've got this wavering, you know, like I can, you know, I talk, I talk about, not talk about, but I think about like the Dalai Lama, you know, most peaceful, joyous man on the planet today, probably, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are others, but he's the most visible one. And I'm wondering, this is just me thinking out loud. I'm wondering like what a bad day looks like for him. Not even a bad day, a bad moment. Like does he get into bad moods? Does he get angry? He probably does, but because of his practice, he's able to distance himself from it, feel the feelings and then let it go probably in an instant. He'd be like, oh, I'm mad. Oh, look at that. I'm mad. Okay, bye. Done. You know, back to inner peace and calm. But we need that contrast. 
in order to get clarity around where we're going, what, what level of high vibration we want to embody, you know? So I just wanted to, to pause the, the guidebook reading because a lot of people think, oh, I'm self-reliant. I got this. I got this. But then when you have that attitude, you have that demeanor, you close people off. And when you close people off, then you close yourself off and then you, you hide your light. You start to hide it. You start to cut it off, pinch it off from flowing out because you're like, no, 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 I got this, you know, oh, I'm feeling depressed, but I'm not going to tell anybody because I got it. I got the power within me. I got the self-love, even though this depression feels really heavy and really hard. I'm okay. I'm just going to like ride it out. Yeah, you can ride it out, you know, but talking to somebody about it, sharing with somebody helps to alleviate the depression. It helps to dissipate that energy so that you can move through it a little more quickly. When we speak things out loud, we are able to create energy around that so that it can move through us and out of us. When we share the insights that we receive in our minds become made manifest. They become more concrete, whether it's sharing in a journal, whether it's sharing a story out loud, it's important for us to get the interior. And when I say the interior, it's usually the head, you know, cause the love stuff, the heart stuff that just comes out naturally. That's like a parent, you know, when you like find somebody and you're infatuated with somebody for the first time, it's like early love or whatever it is. Everybody knows that you're in love, right? It's just how you talk, how you're being, how you speak. You're just like, Oh, Oh, they could do no wrong. Whatever it is. Right. Everyone's so giddy and like lovey dovey, whatever. Um, that, yeah, that you can't hide. You can't hide that the stuff in your head, we do a pretty good job of hiding that stuff. And when you hide it, it grows. You don't want to hide it, especially if it's toxic. You want to let it out. So speak about it, share it with people, get together in group conversations and, and just allow for the thing that's in your head to have presence outside of your body so that you can see and recognize it and then let it go just like that. Okay. That was a big digression. <laughs> and there's only like three, four sentences left of the guidebook. Anyway, so getting back to the guidebook, remember the card is let your light shine. So instead we want to be with others for the pure joy of it. Yes. hundred percent. Create new ways toward anything that is of interest to you. Can you feel relief wash over you? You are beautiful. Hmm. So good. So good. And what I love about this deck is they offer different kinds of things after the, um, the reading of the card. There's a meditation exercise here, guided meditation, there's inspired reflection and action, and then there's journal work. Not all of them have journal work, but this one does. And I want to offer, um, journal work to you in case you'd like to just take inventory. Like what is my inner light? 
what does that mean to let my light shine? Like, do I even know what that is? Do I recognize what that is? Can I name it? So, um, so this, this is an invitation to draw or write about all the things you like about yourself and all the things you do well. So I imagine this as like maybe a mind map or a brainstorm where you're just like me, write it in the center of the paper, put a big circle around it, and then just like do offshoots of things like, okay, what do I like about myself? I like my sense of humor. I like to make jokes, you know, all the things I do well. I like, I write poems really well um, and so on. So during your daily meditation, repeat them to yourself. Ooh, I'm a poet and I'm funny. <laughs> this builds a foundation from love and will bring more manifestations and opportunities that vibrate with the same and high, higher energy. This will also make it easier for you to align with your soul. Hmm, I love that. So my friends, I invite you to do that, to try that out, um, to align with your inner light to find out what that is and name it and then be it and share it. By being it, you're already sharing it. By letting that light radiate out, you're already sharing it. So yes, to all of that. Um, you know, it's so funny because I started this recording and I had a, a certain topic in mind and this card just was like, no, we're gonna go this way. <laughs> we're gonna go this way instead. So we're gonna let your light shine and I want to, um, this is what I'll do with the topic I had in mind. So letting my light shine is really about being who I am, right? I'll talk about me for a second. And it's not in, in a self-centered way, but in a way, by way of example. And so let your light shine for me means to really try to live without filters. And when I say filters, it's like, no, I'm not like throwing the F-bomb everywhere. Um, although my kids heard me <laughs> dropping the F-bomb when I was talking to a couple of my friends and it wasn't out of anger. It was just like incredulousness, incredulity. I don't, yeah, my brain is like, what? Um, but it was just really funny. And, um, but letting my light shine is really just about me being me without worrying about what other people think, you know, and it's easy for me to say to you just don't care what other people think, right? I mean, I'm the one that has a podcast, right? And I don't care what people think because I'm just going to say what I need to say. And I want to disseminate, fancy word, my embodied knowledge, my wisdom, and share it with people who might connect with it, who might resonate. It might land with them. And if it doesn't, then they can always, you know, change the channel and go to another podcast. That's cool. Um, but I will say in person, it's a little bit different. Trying to let my light shine fully around family, namely family, is a little bit different. A little bit, that's the area that I'm working on. It's very interesting to say, uh, yeah, I can be who I am for my students. I could be like who I am for people in the grocery store, but when it comes to my family of origin, that's a different matter because of the conditioning that I received when I was a kid around them, you know, like they were part of that conditioning and I'm like, okay, there's some deep conditioning that needs, and I'm not talking about hair conditioning, <laughs> there's some deep conditioning that needs to be um, released and reset and rewired, repatterned. Re, re, re. Um, and so 
that's what I strive for is to, yeah, let my light shine, but I do it in degrees when I'm around family of origin. Now, Thanksgiving is next week and going to be around family. And so I'll let my light shine, but I don't necessarily, I'm going to put it up to 10 and, you know, have them put their sunglasses on. Uh, part of that is out of safety for myself. You know, I am, yes, I can protect myself. I've got, you know, my tools and I've got my own sunglasses, but it's really a matter of, okay, let's, let's, it's a matter of like pick and choose your battles, right? So do I exert the energy to try to educate people? Right. And I'm leading, this is leading up to the larger topic at hand of why I serve women of color and not just all women of color. Um, do I want to exert, to expend energy to educate someone? Let's just say like my family who are not open, you know, if they're not open, why am I going to talk to them? Why am I going to spend my time, which is a limited resource and my energy to try to convert that's such a funny word, but try to convince somebody of something, you know, if they're open, it's like, I'm going to talk my truth. I'm going to speak my truth to a closed door that like, why, you know, like just imagine like you're standing in front of a door and you're like, all right, door open. I'm, I've got some, I got something to share to the people on the other side of the door. Just come on. I'm going to start talking and maybe people will listen through the door. No, uh, uh-uh, that's not going to work. So it is a matter of choosing your audience. <laughs> it's a matter of choosing and being deliberate in that choice of how you want to use your time, use your energy and focus because, you know, life is short and we're not, we're not going to, I'm not going to waste it on talking to a wall or a door. I'd rather talk to the trees because they are receptive. Oh my God. I love trees. Have I told you this before? Like not just looking at them, like putting my hand on the bark and making that energetic connection is so nourishing for me. It's so amazing. Like I can feel their presence. Anyway, I digress again. (laughs) So I want to shine my light you know, to fly my freak flag, but I don't want to do it just anywhere. You know, I serve, I am in service of women of color, particularly those in midlife. We are looking at the opening of chapter two of our lives. There's a lot of transition, a lot of like rolling ground underneath us where we're like, what is happening? And it's so funny because midlife isn't an age. It's not a number. It's a point in your life where you've been on this trajectory. You've been on this path for a while and then something causes you to stop, to pause to look around your life, to look back at your life and say, hey, 
is this where I want to be? Is this, wait, I did all these steps to get to here? I did all these steps because someone told me this was the path and I listened to them and now I'm here and wait, what? Why I got to rethink this? You know, that's what midlife is. Midlife is when you get this sudden awareness of where you are in your life because you're like, oh, wait, I'm halfway there. I'm halfway to like, not on average, I'm halfway to the end of my life. Now, I don't know if anyone is consciously saying that, but subconsciously we perceive that, you know, and it's like, okay, now time is ticking and I got none to waste. What do I really want to do with my life? Who am I really being? And often we don't have an answer. We think about it and we're like, wait, I used to be that person, but am I that person now? I don't know. And that's why often it's called midlife crisis. And I don't, I don't really appreciate the word crisis when it comes to midlife because it's, it's not, it's not a crisis. I mean, crisis comes, comes, what has a negative connotation, right? It has low energy attached to that crisis, like panic mode. It's like, no, you don't have to panic. I've, I reframed midlife as inquiry. You know, I remember when I turned 40 and I was like, all right, I'm 40 and fabulous. And, you know, this is amazing. Blah, 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 blah. I love it. I love my 40s. And then I think I turned 42 was when it happened. Like, like maybe a year or two later, I was like, wait a minute. What is happening? What's the meaning of my life? Is this what I'm destined to do for the rest of my life? Oh, my God. What? Uh, who am I? I felt like the rug got pulled out from under me, the the wool pulled over my eyes, got ripped off, and I was like, what is this? What is this life that I've built? It's not even like what I really want, you know? Like, do I want to teach undergraduates for the rest of my life? I don't know, you know? Do I want to be struggling financially for the rest of my life because of this job that I have that doesn't pay me enough? Not really. But what else do I do? What else can I do? And then there were other questions like, you know, who am I? Like, am I, am I a professor? Am I a poet? I don't even know. Like I'm a poet and I love, or am I just one who likes to write poems? Am I just a person who writes poems? Am I really a poet? I don't know. I don't know because other people like colleagues of mine, friends of mine that I've been friends with forever, they all have books, multiple books, you know, like, and one of them is famous in the literary world, you know, and like, what am I doing? You know? And so the whole comparison itis came up and it was just really like my world got turned upside down and I was like, okay, what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? You know, and there was a little bit of panic, but I refuse to call it crisis because crisis would send you down this rabbit hole. I mean, this is why this is why they they make this. There's a stereotype of like guys going out and buying sports cars because they're they're like, oh, no, I'm closer to death. I got to 
get back my youth and I'm going to go buy that sports car I always wanted to buy, you know? Um, it's so interesting because when women have midlife, midlife crises, crises, um, there's not a lot of stereotype or, or conversation or dialogue around that. I mean, unless I'm forgetting what the stereotype is, if you guys remember, just, you know, send me an email cause I'm really curious about it, <laughs> but that speaks volumes about the patriarchy, right? Like you've got the, the guy, the husband goes into midlife crisis, buys a red sports car, and then has an affair with a younger woman, right? Meanwhile, the wife is at home taking care of crying kids about to like fall into despair into the, into the bottle, the wine bottle, you know, getting wasted because she doesn't know what to do. She's stuck, but she's also having her own crisis. But nobody talks about that. Nobody focuses on that, you know, or maybe there's a woman out there having her own affair. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just fine. I'm just noticing and find it interesting what narratives are popularized, we'll say. So anyway, um, midlife. Yeah, I refused the word crisis. I went into inquiry instead and I got curious. And so um, and so what I noticed is that a lot of the narratives were centered around whiteness. And I was like, wait, I need to know what women of color who are going through midlife, like, what are they doing? How are they getting through this? What kind of things are they doing to kind of ground themselves and, and like, shape themselves into the person they truly are? You know, are there are there any things out there? I was looking, I was looking and I was like, I'm lost. I don't know what's happening. You know, and there are people, there's some people in the spiritual communities that are like, you're never lost. And it's like, no, no, you can get lost. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I mean, lost can be a forgetting of who you are. Um, it's just, you know, and, and maybe I'm guilty of this too, but I think it's, it's us being human in trying to find ways to use language to articulate our experiences, to articulate some learnings that we've received. Um, but when people deliver those learnings in absolute terms, it can be harmful. It's not helpful to people for, for people to hear like the absolute, you're never lost. You always have you inside of you like, okay, but what if I can't get inside of me because I'm like untethered, you know, because I don't know who I am because all the identities I used to be have now suddenly been stripped away. What then, you know, like anyway, so I um, decided that I'm just going to work with women of color because we need that kind of support. We need to help each other navigate this uncertain threshold into chapter two. I mean, it's bad enough that we have to navigate racism and, and sexism, right? And for those who identify as queer, like you've got the, the homophobia, transphobia um, happening too. So lots of other layers that we're already dealing with. And then, and then midlife on top of this. And then you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what do I do? Where do I hold on? How do I get anchored? Um, and so that's, that's what I, that's what my work is, um, to be that guide through the threshold of midlife of closing chapter one and cracking open chapter two, because you get to decide, you get to step into your power and decide what chapter two is going to be, 
you get to decide. And part of my work is helping women move through that process using the al- the the stages of alchemy as a map through that threshold. Because when I was going through it, I was really disoriented. I was really like, I don't even know what to do. I could barely function in my actual life, you know, where I was like, what time is it? What day is it? Do I have to do what? I have to drop my kids where? Oh, bills are due last week. Oh, shoot. I just missed that. You know, my sense of time and and just the perception of the, the 3D world was very skewed. And then one of my teachers, my one of my dear mentors, dear friends, she was like, what if you looked at the stages of alchemy as a map for your movement right now? And I was like, what? Oh, how much it helped me get my bearings. You know, just like any map, it's like, you know, you're lost in the woods and you're like, I don't know which way to go. We look at the sign of like, okay, there's north, south, east, west. There are my bearings. Now, now I know where to go. And that's what the map, the alchemical map did for me. I was like feeling very, for lack of a better word, blobby. And, um, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. Like blobby, like what? I had, I felt like I had no edges. It was just a very interesting experience. And then once I looked at the the stages of alchemy and realized that I was in the stage of dissolution, I was like, oh, and the stage of dissolution is associated with the element of water. So I felt very watery and I was like, oh, that makes sense now. Okay. So I'll just sit with it and wait for the process to continue to move through that stage, knowing that on the other side of it was the next stage. Well, it's not fair to say because alchemy doesn't work in a linear way. But I will say I did take comfort in the fact that, okay, one, that stage is not forever. I'm not going to feel watery forever. But two, on the other side of that are the other elements. So I could move either into earth, which feels very grounding for this Taurus sun, or I can move into fire, which is like, oh, yes, like, you know, give me some shape you know, or air is like, just blow me around in the wind, you know, because feeling watery is just very uncomfortable. Um, so knowing I had that just made me feel more empowered to sit in the muck. And I was like, okay, this is not forever and I will get through it. And now I have guidance. And so that's what I've been working on these past few months is putting together, um, a program for women of color who can travel this alchemical map to get to the other side of chapter one and into chapter two of our lives. So if you want to um, talk to me about it, let me know. You can send me an email. Um, I'm still like in the works of it or whatever, but I definitely am looking for folks to, to join in as, as part of our incubator um, so yeah, reach out Leslie Ann at suryagian.com. So it's L E S L I E at Surya S U R Y A Gian G I A N dot com. And um yeah, just send me an email and we can get on a call to discuss a little bit more about what this program is about. It's called Alchemical Alignment, and um I'm really excited about it. So I think in the next episodes coming forward, I'm gonna talk a little bit about the stages of alchemy so that you can get a sense of why this map makes sense. You know, you think about alchemy in general, like 
they're alchemists. They're working with the elements, turning lead into gold. And so what is the process of that? Imagine you're just a piece of lead, you're just a hunk of lead, but there's gold inside of you. So how do you get to that part? How do you strip away the covering? How do you then get down to the essence of that lead so that it can shine forth into the gold that you are, right? Those are my questions. All right, my friends. So think about that. Chew on that for a little bit. Um, and I'm going to close the episode with uh, a poem randomly chosen from The World I Leave You, Asian American Poets on Spirit and Faith. And this, I mean, I can't get enough of this anthology. It really is um, amazing. Okay. So here is a poem. I feel like I've read this one already. I don't, I'd like, there's so many good poems in here that I don't want to do a repeat from something I've already shared on the show, but, um, maybe we just need to hear it again <laughs> because I'm looking at all these and I was like, Oh, these are all good. So, um, yeah. All right. We'll just go with elephant God. This is the poem that showed up. So that's the one that needs to be read. This is, this poem is by Vandana Kana, Elephant God. If I was a good Hindu, I would believe, as my mother does, that ashes sprinkled in the Potomac River will somehow reach the Ganges, that my father, reborn, is somewhere in the world, someone else's husband, father. Or maybe I have it all wrong, and he is a daughter, not Indian or Hindu, just living in a cold city near a river that flows back upon itself. I am waiting for a sign, like you, calling from Delhi to say the wooden elephants are drinking goat's milk. All over the country, people spoon it into tusks and mouth. The milk's slow trickle, cracking thick skin. The wood brittle as teeth, blessed, ready to snap. And it's something like religion. Behind carved wood, ivory tusks, there is something drinking, someone listening to prayers with milk. I wait for the day a postcard left in my mailbox will say, Yes, I am here. It is wonderful. Every hang-up on my answering machine is him calling over and over just for the need to say he is somewhere in the world. I will ask, Is the river really that color of night? and whisper words in my childhood tongue, something like, Ram, Ram, something like, make me holy. Whew. All right, my friends, that was a poem, I'm telling you. That was a poem that needs to be read. It was potent and magical and amazing. All right, so that closes our episode for today. I hope you all have a beautiful week and we'll close it out as we always do. The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven day meditative challenge spark joy in chaos by signing up for my newsletter which will be more light to your inbox 
Go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe.